All right, so we're here with Chris Strunk, author of An Incomplete History of Long Gong Illegal Punk Venues in Boston from 2000 to 2015, or somewhere around there. How's it going, Chris? Good, how are you? So, you know, yeah, well, you know so we discussed yeah. it before. I mean, the world, we're, <laughs> I'm as good as yeah. we can be in, in the current right. context of our world. <laughs> like, sure, yeah, yeah. I've been feeling like I'm not sick, uh, so. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to start. I uh, just want to say, first off, just thank you for writing this. Um, Glenn and I, we both, uh, for a long time now, we've loved writing about and uh, just documenting music and even just researching a lot of stuff. So some of the stuff in here, we've just been like, we've just done little random searches and stuff like that. So I really appreciate someone taking the time to go back and document um, underground shows. Oh, and cool. uh, various houses in Boston. And um, so, yeah, right off the bat, I just wanted to say I really appreciate it. Um, I think it's a story, or many, at the very least, just uh, each house kind of has a story that, you know, I, I think that needs to be told. But also, a lot of times, these everyone has a, goes to these shows, has a great time, but then they sort of get left behind in the handles of history. And Oh, totally, yeah. So, but yeah. Um, so, I guess, uh, just like in general, just what motivated you to write write about this uh, the long gone illegal venues oh. in Boston? Well, actually, um, I think I think we're all friends with Gilmore Tamney, right? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Um, yeah, so yeah. Gilmore was like Gilmore was um, she was um, organizing like a, a punk rock trivia night for um, for girls rock camp, and. Um, oh. So she was putting things together for that, and she asked me if I would like write something for it, and I was like, okay. But I I thought that um I thought I was contributing to like like a compilation zine that like a bunch of people were writing for, um, but I it, I also didn't have a lot of time. It was like she asked me like two weeks before the before the um before the event was supposed to happen. So like I just had to think of something. Well, I have to think about something punk. We write about something that punk because it's punk rock trivia night. And I can't have yeah. time to do like a big research project or anything. So um, I had a couple ideas and I forget what the other ones are now, but this is the one that sort of stuck because I could just do it. Well, my research was basically just texting, texting various friends who went through this with me and <laughs> being like, wait, did this really happen or not? But I could basically just do the, all of this from memory. So I didn't have to do like, because it really wasn't time to do like a big research project. Um, yeah. So then Gilmore sort of printed it up as like a pamphlet and it was given out at the door at the, at the girls rock camp trivia night or punk rock trivia night i was on vacation so i wasn't there i've never seen a copy of that version of it ever it, like got put in a box and like the leftover copies got like put in the box or in girls rock camp storage somewhere um but then about a year later do you know um tim devon who does uh free the future press which is like a really small publishing company he like really he got a copy of it and he really really liked it and he asked me to if he could republish it like on his like, small publishing company um and I said, of course. I said, yes. Um, so, but then I, I rewrote it and uh, I took some stuff out. Um, no venues or anything, just some like, and I had a lot more in. There's like a lot more in the second version of it. Um, and then Tim edited it down and, and printed it up and put it out on Free the Future Press. And he's done a lot of great work. I mean, he's published other zines that are all really great. He did three zines called um, Mapping Out Utopia that were about like um, 70s counterculture in Boston. Like, Similar, not show spaces per se, but sort of like co-ops and like collective spaces and 
underground newspapers existed. Um, so he's three of those. He did another zine um, about a river in Somerville that's been paved over, but I haven't read that one yet. But the three, wow. the, I'm sure it's great, but the three, the three ones about like 70s comic books are really, really great. So like, I mean, this just happened to fit right into the project that he's doing with like Freedom Future Press. So yeah, it's, it's turned out great. And it's great he did that because I would have never, I would have never done anything more with it than just have it be passed out of that one like Girls Rock trivia camp. Punk rock trivia night. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds awesome. Um, see, also, just even punk rock trivia night just sounds awesome to me too. I, <laughs> I know. I wish I could have been there. I was not there. So. <laughs> um, I'd say in the book, uh, uh, I really love that you give a good at the beginning. You give a good sort of um, background as to like why these spaces exist in a way. Um, and uh, you said in the beginning that it sort of came, uh, most of it uh, sort of came out of necessity. And I think that's a really good point that, you know, even with when I first started going to house shows, um, I never, I didn't, that didn't really think of me like when it first hit me. And even like it did over the years, just going to them more and booking them. But I think even other people I know, even people playing them sometimes don't really even get that angle. I wonder if you could uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that I think like say like the Middle East upstairs like had it had like punk rock shows like in the nine. They definitely did. They had, like yeah. set matinees or whatever. But even like in the early two in the early two thousands when I first moved to Boston, it's like, I mean Ryan Ryan the Terrible's been booking O'Brien's forever now, and he's great. But um, yeah. I mean, the first early 2000s when I first moved here, like, you couldn't, like, really even book a punk show at a club. I mean, they just didn't want to know, like, um, and it, I mean, it started, it started more, it things started happening more in clubs, like, in the 2000s, but it was, it definitely was out of necessity, but also, but also like, um, if you think of the economics of it, it makes it a really necessary, sure. I mean, like, because all sort of, like, halls, even then, and clubs, I mean, not O'Brien's, but, like, a lot of clubs, I mean, it cost too much to put on the show yeah. to make any money for touring bands or not, like, go in the hole financially, too. So that was another aspect, right. too. But also, like, the bookers at that time in the early 2000s, I mean, it started to change a bit around, like, 2008, 2009, 2010, but they, I mean, you, you, they just were not interested at all. So um, Was it, yeah, was it hardcore punk or all sorts of punk that... I mean, I guess it speaks to me. I mean, I mean, I, I'm sure, like, I mean, bands in like this sort of like oldies punk revival circuit would just certainly play like the Middle East or whatever. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know. Say, but like punk bands where there were like two different versions of the band. Like, I think it's like the ultimate like washed up like punk band thing. If there's like two different versions of the same band with former ex members, but I mean, they assume the oldies circle go through. But like younger, newer punk bands, like yeah. it was like really hard to, I mean, to find a place to that made it economically feasible to like mm -hmm. shows at all so yeah but there's also i mean there was like it's sort of gone by the wayside i think but there was a definite like philosophy that i think the DIY punk that changed a lot like when the internet I mean, the internet i think changed a lot but like 90s early 2000s there was definitely like an idea of like trying to exist completely outside of it's sort of contradictory in that, like, you're basically making your own cottage industries, which is, like, small-time capitalism, but there was, like, an idea of, like, doing things outside of the music industry and outside of capital capitalism. Um, mm -hmm. 
I mean, especially, I mean, I think I, I think I talked about in the zine, there's that, there's that quote that's like on the sea and red record from Tinui Hannon from Maximum Rock and Roll, where he's like, well, the music isn't itself political, but what is political about it is that it, it exists in these other avenues that are like outside of mainstream culture and outside of like the capitalist, like for-profit system. Um, I think that's sort of changed a bit because it sort of like implies like there's an inside and outside, but I feel like the internet kind of just like leveled the playing field so that like everything is sort of like on the, I mean, it's sort of, I feel like it's sort of gone by the wayside a bit and just because like there is not really much of an inside and outside when it comes like to the internet, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Everything is just sort of like on the same, play, like same level kind of, so, but yeah. I don't know, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. That's <laughs> so, like, no, good, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I think like the even what some of what you describe, I I uh, I think still holds up today, and uh, I I think we can personally relate to that as well. Just yeah, um, just some of the things of just from like booking shows of like what you're describing of like the rental fees um, oh, yeah. that used, you know, it, it really is. I think it's something that you know people probably don't even realize. Like I didn't realize until we started booking like shows that it's like oh wow it costs x amount of money even at this like you know it could be an elks or something still caught it's going to cost you like a few hundred bucks just to rent the place yeah and, you know like you said paying bands and everything like that you know what i mean um so it's like those are all factors so when you get yeah. a house show you know where all the money at the door can go straight to the bands that's you know that that's amazing you know what i mean that it was and, kind of the only i mean it felt like it was like really the only way to do things and like be able to pay touring bands like yeah or, or not just like losing hundreds of dollars yourself like which yeah. it's not not something that you really want to do on a regular basis so yeah well i think also just like as you even say like i'm just reading a line here on page five you say in, in some sense doing shows this way allowed for punks to control every aspect of the concert going experience and I think that that's absolutely true where it's like you are, you know, that with the, with these kind of spaces, you know, the vibe and the atmosphere, in addition to whatever, like sort of um, other, you know, economic reasons or whatever other experiences typically come with a, you know, conventional venue, you know, you yeah. it's all changed by the nature of that, that house and really like just bring people together. Cause I think ultimately with a house and correct me if I'm, or how you might feel differently, but I feel like the house itself is like, I mean, a lot of these houses do have their own, at least it may, I'm not specifically talking about the ones in the zine because I guess maybe going more from like just stuff I've experienced, but a lot of them aren't, they have their own like charms, but it's really almost just like the idea of like using a space. You know, oh, yeah, totally. you know what I mean? They're just literally, they're just like punk in its core really of like bare bones using what you have to create something, you know? In a way, yeah, I mean, creating something out of nothing, like yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, um, also, I mean, like I don't know. I've heard a lot. Of, I've heard like people that from like completely that aren't really involved in like, well, aren't you scared to do? This? I mean, you don't. There's no like security at these shows. It's like, yeah, yeah. Well, security like generally is the problem. <laughs> like it's like sure, it's, yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. I actually kind of um, well, actually, you know, yeah. That's a good point. We might as well get into that. I actually had that as a that's point. Funny. Um, uh, but I don't know if you had, if you were going to say something, Glenn, but I had um, that aspect of, uh, you know, like the potential danger or whatever as the point that I was, I was going to bring up. Um, so yeah. Well, I was going to say real, real quick oh, yeah, with, no, this, with, the with the security and I wonder, Chris, 
if in the any of the venues that you went to, we we went to one venue, and I'm curious just to see if you experienced this, where there was a quasi security yeah, force in effect did. in the illegal venue. Yeah, at one venue that we went to. there was and we can probably say the name since it's long gone not too long gone but there was this venue what the hell was it called chris what thieves grotto thieves grotto yes i don't know if you've been there chris i haven't been there where where was that uh, i was in mission hill it was from like i think 2011 to 2016 what was it called again thieves grotto Thieves Grotto. Whoa, that month passed me by. Yeah. So. Yeah, they were an interesting venue where, on one hand, it was like some of the best shows I ever saw. They were amazing. On the other hand, and like I mean this uh, in a good way, um, where like they were a great venue, but they were almost like we once described it as like the great Scott of basements, where it felt like it was like in a lot of ways like a venue, like a real venue, but it was oh, totally yeah. a basement. It was totally a basement, and they were, you know, they were really great with how they went about it but it was it was a different kind of house where they did have um everything like they had like the like the pa the sound i I forget which house it is near but there was one of them where you said it was like sort of similar to that where it was a little it's you know they were definitely trying to make it a little bit more legit Mm -hmm. and uh you know and uh they had they did have uh quote unquote security they had a whole staff and whatever and wow. i never saw anything get out of hand i think if anything like uh, in my experience it was pretty chill there but um but yeah i mean that that did it that that was like a a rare thing and um and at least in my estimation i kind of felt that took away a little bit of like the warm house show vibe for me yeah. but, <laughs> but overall it was a good house and they you know they, it was actually also it was it was um pretty big too where like i i think there were shows they had that they were over like 300 people crazy yeah Who, which like, some of the places the play there uh what, what, what like, play there? like touring bands or local bands or, too? Who, yeah who would play there uh they I remember one show that I went to. I don't know if you heard the band, but they I guess they played House of Blues, uh, Ra Ra Riot. Oh, okay. I have I have heard of them. Yeah. Okay. So. But a lot of local bands played in like um like you know the band Nice Guys. Oh yeah. Yeah, they played there a bunch and like um like the Barbizons. I don't know if you know them. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, the yeah, kids. they had a lot of yeah, they had a lot of like local bands, you know, all the different genres too. They had a lot of hip hop shows and stuff like that too. Um, it was yeah, it was a good house. It was um, it was like I said, we described it as like the great Scott of basements because it really <laughs> felt like it was one just bigger, but two, but also felt like it was more of like a legitimate venue, but it was totally a house. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, I was gonna go back to the the point of it, um, because this comes up a few times of sort of it being. And you mentioned too, like I think you were saying, when you're talking about sort of these uh, illegal spaces, house shows, whatever it is, that a lot of times people, um, you know, yeah, like, aren't you like, you know, you're scared or nervous, or is it might be like, there's that element of danger to it? And um, so I was kind of curious because, at least in my experience, I I I actually feel more the opposite, where. Maybe when I first started going to these kind of shows, I, I may have thought that in my head, but for the most part, I kind of feel like um, it's more like regular, more regular venues, establishments. Uh, there's more likely to be 
sort of something that would be worrisome in my experience anyway, but uh, I know that's obviously not the same for people. And I feel like um, it wasn't really as dangerous, but then there are some examples, as you point out here, um, like that we were mentioning earlier, the, uh, some of the, was it the, um, Undisclosed location. undisclosed location yeah those shows were crazy yeah. really crazy i don't know like there was i feel like i mean i, I mean i guess as we go through this like i mean so i had never heard of thieves grotto that's like why i sort of made this like the incomplete history yeah. like everyone sort of like that went through these venues sort of just went through their own i mean i think what you what you felt were like the important venues the ones you spent time with were, were the ones where you were friends with people or like um but I mean, for my my history of going through this, I feel like after Regen, the second Regen on Harvard Ave closed, um, then I feel like there was a bit of a dark period after that where things got really nihilistic and violent. And that was when the uh, undisclosed location shows were, and that, those shows were like, there was so much broken glass, like, <laughs> it's like fi fireworks and yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think I did write in there that I sort of gave up. I just couldn't take it anymore when uh, it was like a bottle of urine like <laughs> crashed next to my like or shattered like the wall like next to my head and I was like sprayed and like yeah you mentioned that <laughs> so uh yeah and after that and that's why I did miss the historic scapegoat show it was like the <laughs> it was like people in Europe like went all crazy about like what it was put on YouTube and, yeah <laughs> yeah I've seen that video before I think uh Shawnee, you know, Shawnee Brando. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, like he posted and it was like, this is what shows used to be like or stuff <laughs> like, um, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was, as you point, like enjoyable watching it, but I, I, I would imagine it would be a different, very, very different experience actually being there. Um, like, I'm sure, I mean, everyone there was having a blast, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, no, it looks, that looks like it too, yeah. I mean, but my, like, my friend Matt, who was there, described it as, as like, it was like, an instance of like group insanity like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah which is what the, uh, the shows felt like the ones leading up to that felt like it was like what is happening like there's sure. there wasn't yeah i mean there wasn't somewhere somebody threw like a stepladder it was like a, a like a door and above the door there was like a glass window and somebody threw like through a um you know, like a stepladder through that, which just rained glass down on people. And I think people went to the hospital at that show. Like, I forget who played Yeah, that. you mentioned that in, yeah. in, uh, <laughs> in, the, in the zine. Uh, like, what, what years were these? Were the, uh, the It's hard to say. Like, um, I'm going to say that was around like 2010, 2011. The thing about, about okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. research for this is like, no one remembers anything clearly. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, I mean, it's hard to be like, Oh, when was this show? And you like you won't be like, oh, it was April two thousand four. It's like you can't really call yeah. call that if you didn't write it down in the first place. Yeah, I was I had a question about that. Sure. If so, I was curious. Prior to the Boston Compass, what? And I mean, I only say that because that's what we're most familiar with as far as. Mm -hmm you know, reading about underground shows and stuff. But was there anything similar to that uh, in like in the 2000 to 2009 range? Or how did shows circulate on the in the underground? Um, I would say that, I mean, for a long, I mean, maybe up till about like 2010. I mean, people would still do flyers for, for, for a long time. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know when that dropped off. There was 
you could, when I first moved here from say like 2000 to 2006 or seven, like you could put like an address, maybe that's a bit late, but you could put like an address mm -hmm. of a house, like on a flyer and it was, you know, oh, wow. um, it was like yeah. when, once like the police crackdown started happening and like, with mm -hmm. shows live, like when you, it became a lot harder to advertise shows. Um, mm -hmm. But there were like flyers, I mean, I mean, it's uncool is to say there were like message boards. That was how like a lot of people yeah. with stuff. There was like a there was like a there was like a website called Just Another Scene. It might still be floating around out there in cyberspace. Wow. But it was a uh, you could people would post shows to that. So but it was like flyers, word of mouth, message boards, mm -hmm. Just Another Scene, like a couple other websites. Okay. Yeah, cause, I, mean, I geek out on this stuff, so I I like gone through like the Wayback Machine. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> And like I'll look at like old stuff of like the Haas or something like that, and uh, I was never went to any of that stuff. Uh, it was just before I go into shows, but I I like I've seen s stuff like that, and I was always surprised when I was like, wait, why is the address like on the flyer? Like you'd yeah. never see that now, <laughs> you know? Like yeah, well, no, why? You'd, on the be, you'd be a fool. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I was like, whoa, I was like why would you put the address there? But I guess it was, it, yeah, because I remember it was like one band I just saw like on like a message board like all their like list of shows and they were the address was like listed for a bunch of house shows i was so like what hey like what that, why would they <laughs> why would they do that yeah <laughs> um, yeah um you mentioned which i always find this really fascinating some of the bands that are like some of the bigger bands that are eventually became bigger that starting out playing a lot of house shows um mm -hmm. and uh you know lightning bolt started in the 90s so uh, and they were playing house shows for a while and i noticed they come up a lot uh i was just wondering if you could uh describe a lightning bolt house show um, I mean, it's it's almost it's uh it's almost like a impossible to imagine bands that long played in houses but they did like yeah. um i mean so yeah it would, it would be like I don't know, like, Lightning Bolt shows were always pretty, pretty, like, energetic and crazy. I would say once they inched up in popularity, though, that's, like, when it got really, really crazy. I don't know, like, 2005 or something. But, uh, yeah, Lightning Bolt house shows were great. I mean, they're, I mean, they still are one of the greatest live bands, like, ever. Yeah, um, yeah it was, like, just really, I mean, it probably, like, that, I mean, probably lost some hearing. <laughs> like, yeah. like, Brian Gibson's, like, giant stack of amps, but it was, like, yeah, I mean, it was like sort of like they were. I mean, it was just on the floor, people going nuts. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, but it, yeah, it's hard to even imagine that bands that loud did play in houses back then. But they did like all the time. Mm. I wish I could. I wish I had better better answer. Yeah. No, that, that makes no. It makes sense. We, we saw them at the Cambridge Elks at a Hassle Fest in 2013, and that was that's that was definitely pretty similar. I was there. It wasn't that dissimilar. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah um so yeah definitely I, I probably felt like i probably lost some hearing too um i think that was the show that made me start wearing earplugs <laughs> um yeah i wanted to ask you about you mentioned like in with the berwick building um and a number and other a few other places like the sort of the the dust and all the other stuff like that um, oh yeah so yeah it just was that or like the black dust uh was that just uh like uh, just a common thing with a lot of thread in a lot of the houses that just uh there were a lot of dusty that that Burbank was yeah. like especially there was some sort of like as no one thought to like clean it there was a thread with like what happens next in um life yeah. and um 
Yeah, I don't think anyone really thought to like mock. I mean, like researchers were always kind of just to them, but that was like that was really gross. <laughs> like some sort of like yeah. industrial like dust that was down there that got like kicked up, and like everyone was just, like, it really was kind of like. Or, I mean, it sort of looked like now when everyone had like their t-shirts tied around their faces because nobody could breathe. Um, and I was definitely coughing like black dust like for like a week after that. So like, yeah. yeah. Also, I don't know if I remember, I don't know if I ever, did I, if I mentioned like that there were like, I don't know why they were there, but in that basement while there were shows, there were like hundreds and hundreds of boxes of hair gel. I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I don't know why they were there, but there were just like hundreds yeah. of boxes of hair gel in that basement. But uh, yeah, just even just, uh, oh, by the way, I, if I had the power to, I would give you the Punk Service Award for mopping up uh, the floor. <laughs> yeah. the basement. I was so pissed. It was like everyone, yeah, there was supposed to be like five or six people who were going to like clean the basement. Um, and then none of them. Some of them canceled, some of them just didn't show up, and it was just me with a mop and a bucket. Because <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, did, it did help. The next time I was in there, it was not like a dust apocalypse. So. Um, yeah, also, just even reading about that ticker, the Berkwood building, there was uh, some crazy stuff where you say, we were saying that uh, people were dropping potted plants and paint and what was probably urine down on the line of people waiting to get into the basement. Well, yeah, there's, uh, a conflict, there's a conflict between, like, and it's also, like, I was definitely sort of on, I had my foot in both camps, kind of, because, like, at that time, the Berwick, um, in the basement, the, the guy who owned the building, who owned the hardware store, would rent the basement to people who wanted to book punk shows, but the artists that had the artist studios um, upstairs would have shows on the first floor, um, right. and there was, like, a lot of tension between, like, the two camps, so they didn't, they didn't, the artists, the people that were running the art studios didn't like the basement being rented. So like, yeah, when they're bigger shows, they would like throw potted plants and like various liquids and objects down onto people that were waiting to get into the shows in the basement. So like, and some, sometimes yeah. there, were, like, there were two shows, there would be like one show upstairs and one show downstairs. And, but there was no, it's not like a club where there's any soundproofing or anything like that. So right. a lot yeah, of yeah. with that where they would, ended up having like stagger bands like so that they weren't playing at the same time so, like. yeah um yeah so was the scene really like at that time or seen you know multiple different scenes uh were they just more like some more fractured or were there was it you know that there were um all these different things happening like you know more like a say a hardcore show or whatever other kind of more experimental show or a garage band or were they were they were they all separate or were they was it you know uh overlap between those different like the different camps or say i mean i think it's i think it's like it it's like it is now where i mean they're essentially kind of separate but then there's like a few mm. people who will keep tabs on everything and go to a lot of different things but sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it's, it's interesting because some someone like chris and i we didn't go to like the boiler room or maybe a lot of venues that we didn't even hear about just because probably i don't know even though that that was like to me that was that seemed to be like an ultimate punk like more of an authentic punk thing going on whereas the boiler I room think, was like ultimate punk yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know maybe want to check that out actually um 
just because I do like a lot of different stuff that, but it, mm-hmm. it, yeah, I mean, sometimes I know, I, I, I think I just never heard, like, I don't think anyone was like knocking on our door to invite us to those shows. But no, uh, I mean, Boiler Room was tough for me because, um, I don't know, like the lineups of those shows were like ridiculously sick, like, like so yeah. good. But those shows would like literally end at like 3 a.m. on our weeknight. Wow. Yeah. And since like, uh, like I'm a children's librarian, I was definitely into my 40s by then. I was like, could not do oh. that. <laughs> like, like, like it was in my 20s, I could do that and sort of like wake up and go to work and I would be tired and be okay. But by the time I got in my 40s, too, uh, I couldn't do it. So I didn't go there as often as I would have liked. But <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My friend Matt would go to uh, Total Hero. My friend Matt, who is my age, would go to shows at the Boiler Room, um, be totally drunk, like walk from Alston to JP, and then start his job at 6 a.m. At, uh, at a sandwich shop. I was like, I, <laughs> I, don't, know, I don't know how you're still alive, but like kudos. So, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty well. <laughs> pretty dedicated. Um, yeah, I mean, and I guess even like kind of what Glenn was saying where yeah I mean we've definitely for us I I think I I forget which house it was that you said in here um but you were saying where you seem to tend to dress more business casual and it was uh was it it may have been the undisclosed location where oh yeah no because yeah because it was becoming just straight from work where I I mean I'm librarian so like yeah yeah, no I mean there was and that there was definitely like I don't know like I was playing shows there and I was like friends with enough people that I didn't feel but there was some definitely like more punk looking people who were like let's drive out the norms like yeah yeah mm-hmm. right yeah because I was I was gonna say is there was was there that uh, a common a little more of a common thing where it was any sort of like harassment or something or like it's like you know that's that's you're not punk or or something like that or um. I, I mean, from time to time, I mean, like, um, I think that since, like, I mean, I played in bands all the time. I was, like, booking shows yeah. all the time, even though, like, I have never really dressed punk, except for, like, a little bit in high school, but then I just decided it was, like, too much trouble. Um, so, like, yeah. I mean, it was just, like, it was too much effort. Um, yeah. I think that, I mean, I've managed to be on the inside track. If I was just, like, some random guy that came up in shows, I would have gotten that a bit more I think um I was I was it was maybe even five years ago now I was at a show at um Spaced Mountain which was a house in JP I can't remember if it's in there or not um and it was like super punk it was like eel I forget what else but I some like very young young like punks in like leather jackets were like they came up to me and were like why are you here are you the landlord like (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah, I mean, there was there was also this huge internet controversy in, I don't know, if, I forgot to write about this, but in Regen that spilled out onto like local message boards where um, somebody got punched in the face at an ERG show at Regen 2, um, which is, um, it's a, it's a long story, but um, at any rate, the controversy about this like spilled onto the internet. Um, Oh wow! Like, if I'm going to go to a show at Regen Two, am I going to get punched in the face for not being punk? And everyone was like, "Yes, you're going to get punched in the face if you come there." So that's sort of like that's when like people started graffitiing like norms out on things, <laughs> like like normals out. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it definitely was in that around then there was definitely a lot of like sort of anti-norm 
feeling, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, my own thing is that is like, I, you know, I guess it's like almost like, how do you define like who's norm, you know, or whatever, just by, I mean, I guess there's certain things, but also. You'll never get to the bottom of it. Like, yeah, but just like, I just kind of, uh, at least personally, not a big fan of like any sort of, uh, you know, narrow or like, this is how it should be or kind of militant sort of way. But I like a lot of the music though. So I, I don't know, kind of like a mixed bag for me, but in that, that regard where I think, you know, I don't know. I just, I just don't like that sort of word. Negative. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not into it either. In that that case, it was like, it was like intentionally funny. I think I was like, it wasn't (laughs) like a serious thing. Like, like, yeah, yeah. Right. And it makes, yeah. I was just curious if it like was a little bit different um, in this, in the 2000s or, because in my experience, it really hasn't even like going to more like even like hardcore shows, it, I, which I haven't really that much. But even like in my experience of going to, them, I haven't experienced any of that. So like that's why I was just curious. Um, but uh, yeah, it depends on, you know, depend on the, the, the era and the venue. But there were definitely was yeah. like oh yeah, 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 I guess you would call it like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, as Glenn or uh, maybe didn't mention, but um, yeah, because we're at least uh not just like exclusively into like the garage punk stuff but that definitely is like a lot of um that's what we initially were getting into oh, yeah. and definitely like um even getting into house shows a lot of the stuff that we were getting into would be just tour garage punk bands getting you know touring and then the, the more and more we kind of went down the rabbit hole of like first going to see you know like king con or something or whatever then yeah like no bunny and then you get to like someone you know that's uh just a smaller band that is playing a house show and it kind of uh that's kind of how we got more into like the local stuff so mm-hmm. definitely with more garage punk kind of stuff there's way less of in my in that experience of that kind of uh that specifically there's other issues but that's specifically yeah. <laughs> that that kind of you know behavior um yeah so. I, i'd agree with that yeah so yeah and you mentioned actually with uh kind of moving into different territory but with the garage rock stuff i have here um let's see was it just flipping through the scene you mentioned a house that was let's see I think it's the one, the one on the one was in uh what is that street i'm moving my track yeah it was uh Wait, what was it? What was it called? Um, Let me see if I can find it. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah, okay, I found it. You said it was it was kind of a long, unnamed house on Linden Street in Austin oh, yeah. between Brighton Ave and Commonwealth Ave. Um, yeah, that was like for a while. It was like that that house in tandem with like the Abbey Lounge was like yeah yeah where all like sort of garage bands played. So interesting, cool. Yeah, I, was I know I definitely, I mean, I guess the observers aren't exactly in that scene. Well, I mean, they kind of are, but like, I definitely saw the observers of that house more than once. Um, anyway, but yeah, they did. I'm, my memory is failing, but they definitely had kind of like goner style bands playing there. Hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we're, that's, yeah, we're very big. We've gone to Goner Fest like the last five years in a row. <laughs> really, it looks so fun. I always want to go to it. I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely someday. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like this is we're in strange territory where it's yeah someday you gotta make it out there. It's, it's a really fun time. 
that's kind of the thing where like those most of the bands playing like Goner Fest, um, you know, aren't aren't really that aren't really that well known beyond that crowd. So they would be if they would be coming through town, they would be playing like a small venue or or a house. That's kind of how we started to get it more into the local yeah. stuff uh, around like 2011 ish. Uh, and yeah, so we're always like fascinated by not just not just garage stuff, the other stuff, but we're always fascinated by like, you know, the kind of stuff that was going on like 10, 15, 20 years ago and, and more. And like yeah. definitely the, the spaces and stuff. Um, I was also just kind of flipping through. I liked that you touched on what the X House and the, the Country Club as feminist spaces, inclusive spaces. Yeah, I mean, the, the country yeah, club definitely felt like it definitely felt like a breath breath of fresh air at the time. I thought it was great. Um, yeah. There's a band called Forty Forty Watts. It's sort of I can't remember if they're pre. I mean, they all lived at the country club. I don't know if they were pre country club or during the country club. Who later turned into Red Thread, and that was a pretty important band for. Um, yeah, I mean, just sort of like bringing a sort of feminist voice to the DIY punk scene that wasn't really there before. They also had a rule that if you were booking a show at their house, that um, like it had, have, it had have, like one woman had to be playing like which like doesn't seem like a tall order at all like but i mean people people were angry angry about that really yeah yeah wow like what uh what like year, what years were these like uh mid-2000s or yeah mid-2000s i'm gonna say that was country club was probably like 2005 six seven eight like somewhere in there yeah yeah i was gonna ask um so like you mentioned that it was more uh of an inclusive space and a feminist space or you said that x house and uh, the country club and you i mean it would was there a lot of uh you know i mean obviously you know the, even today there's there's going to be lots of like uh there's always going to be problems and stuff like that but uh, it seems like people are a lot more accepting and more in inclusive uh, was uh, I guess my question is um, how was it different back then and like because uh, you said mentioned is like breath of fresh air was it was it a lot more you know exclusive to to uh, the, maybe like a dominant white male audience or you know you know was where is it like uh, you know were there a lot of those kind of issues and that you know I guess just like how things changed um i mean the punk scene is definitely i mean i i would say like the punk scene is definitely sort of like a mini version of like mainstream society and far as far as like what issues are, are in it so like i mean i feel like yeah they're definitely in the past like 10 years it's been kind of the level of acceptance of like women playing in bands and like trans people is like changed mm. a lot um sure. it wasn't that where there was nothing happening though i mean like there was yeah. like Excess, do you know Joan Donovan at all? Have you ever met her? She's like a, I don't think so. yeah. she's now, um, she's a professor at Harvard now. And um, she does all kinds of great, great, like anti-fascist work. Um, she, um, Joan booked X House. So yeah, that would, the, the bands that were booked there was like, yeah, so it was different, kind of like a different, a different, I mean, more female inclusive in, in both of those spaces. But yeah, I mean, but there were, yeah, there were always a lot of women going to shows in the early 2000s, but as far as like members of bands that you would see on stage, it was almost all like white men. Uh, right. That's yeah. kind of my like, I, I just, 
I I couldn't think of a I wasn't able to really form articulate it in like a great way, but I was trying to like I guess get across like my like is it like was it just predominantly like white dudes or was there more like you know um, you know obviously I would say there were there were women playing and going to shows, but like it seemed it seems from the lens of like looking into this stuff more that it seemed to be more predominantly uh, white men and it you know obviously that's still like a lot of the case, but it seems like it's gotten more, much more in, uh, inclusive. Yeah, that's certainly true. Although, but I think it's important to remember though that, um, I don't know, like I helped, did a lot of work in like booking Lady Fest 2012. Mm. Happened to, sure. uh, and I, I was doing an interview about that with like um, the Phoenix and the person interviewing me, which was Liz Pelly, who's awesome and has done tons of awesome yeah. stuff. Um, Liz asked like, so like there was like a Riot Girl festival here in like the 90s and then there was like nothing until now, right? And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, because there was always something. There was like, there was a book sure. called Gene Speed in the early 2000s that were like, uh, like a- What's the name? Gene Speed. Gene Speed? Jane Speed, who were all, okay. like, all, all female, like feminist punk band. There was, um, what were they called? Why am I forgetting? They did the zine, uh, let me see. There was a band called And I Can't Wait. There was like a, a feminist punk band that was around in the early 2000s who got in a, I don't know, have you ever heard of the, the band The Prowl? Uh, no. No, there was like I'm a big Prowl. I mean, Prowl's fine or whatever, but like it was a big Prowl versus And I Can't Wait. Uh, fight in the early 2000s because um, a Prowl record cover had like a woman being like dismembered on it with like a like gutted like <laughs> on the cover. Um, wow. Um, yeah, and so that, and then the country club came along. There was also what am I forgetting? Ugh, you're gonna have to edit this out. I'm trying to remember the name of. Uh, they did a zine, and they would like stand up. It was it was a lot of women that would like. In, uh, why am I forgetting the name? I'm gonna, I'll have to like email it to you or something. Okay. Yeah, fine. <laughs> um, but there was like scene and they had the band and I can't wait and um, yeah they were like there was a lot of for a while um, Mostrogen that's what they were called Mostrogen. Okay, okay um, cool. <laughs> that was like early two thousands. There was like a group of a group of women who would go to shows and like stand up front and mom, they did a zine called Mostrogen too and they were they that was great. So, there was also some of the people that booked like X House. Were, were in, in okay, the, cool. Yeah. Oh, nice. I'm sorry it took me so long to read. I just like went blank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no worries. Yeah. Um, and so, let's see. I'm just jumping around here, but you'd mentioned about the baby safe haven as being. Uh, let's see. Uh, I want to make sure I get this one. There's. Look it up. This comes in place at. Third for being the grossest, most chaotic Boston punk venue that I've experienced. Yes, <laughs> I so just love. There was, there was sewage in the basement. Um, yeah, and also that the um, yeah at some point like the stairs like collapsed, but um, so it was like yeah you could only come in through the basement, but it, that was a really just chaotic house. There was a lot of mold in that house as well. Like I definitely left shows there feeling like. There's something in my lungs, like. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, it, was, yeah. it was fun, though. <laughs> no, yeah, that's even like some of the like the wilder things here, or maybe not necessarily the wildest thing, which I'm going to get to. <laughs> but yeah. uh, most of the stuff, you know, it just sounds, you know, like even even some of the dangerous stuff, just really 
like fun, you know just really fun in a way in a way you know most yeah, of it I mean, that's like, the thing it's like it is, it is sort of fun until like you get hurt <laughs> I, guess, I don't know yeah. like <laughs> people want, until people go to the hospital or, or I mean it's yeah. definitely like an aspect of like sort of thrill seeking to it I guess like, yeah. so. totally um and so yeah I was wanted to get into uh the evacuate uh oh. <laughs> the, yeah and uh I'll just leave it to you if you want to uh, discuss the FBI raid. Yeah, it was, um, so, yeah. <laughs> it was, like, definitely one of the, like, weirdest nights of my life. I mean, just to, like, because I'm used to, like, the police showing up at shows I'm at, and I'm like, okay, I just stand here for a while, and then they let me go. But, like, when people, like, started, like, pulling out their, like, FBI IDs, I was just like, what the hell is happening? Am I, like, yeah. like am I going to prison tonight? Like, um, yeah. but yeah. it was, it was, like, because, um, like, are you familiar with, like, FSU? You know, I, I'm not, but I, you know, it's interesting, though. I, like, I know you mentioned the, um, the Gangland TV series, and, like, I, I'd never seen it, but I was familiar with that, but I wasn't familiar with FSU. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not entirely clear on exactly what, I mean, I know that, I mean, I'm clear on them that they were a bunch of really tough, muscular guys who would, like, film themselves, like, beating people up at shows and put out DVDs of it. Um, I'm not sure why the FBI was after them exactly, but, I mean, the FBI saw, like, a photo of somebody at the venue wearing an FSU hoodie, and they were like, oh, well, we found the secret FSU hideout. Like, so... We need, we need to call in like the big guns for this. So not we're not just going to read this ourselves. We're going to call in the FBI to read this with us. Um, and so, yeah, so like, yeah, so they came into this basement and they kept, they started asking everyone about FSU and what people knew about FSU, which was like nothing because it was like a completely different, like, I guess yeah. it, played. it was like the social circle, like social circle, like seven inch release show for like before they went to Europe. Um, so like, I mean, yeah, the one FBI, I can't remember if I read about this, but the one FBI guy, like, sort of tried his hand at, like, insult comedy, where he was just, like, pointed to this young kid in bondage pants and was just like, what about you, Mr. Stuck in 77? Do you know, what do you know about FFU? <laughs> like, so, um, yeah, so we had to just stand in this basement forever, and it was kind of terrifying, because we're just like, what the fuck are they going to do? Are they going to arrest us all? Because, like, I think they realized they had kind of fucked up, and, like, the police had fucked up because, like, they called in... They had, thought they had this sure thing where they were going to catch this gang. Um, and, like, since they realized they just had, like, a bunch of nerds in the basement. Um, so, like, I think what they ended up doing, they, they charged everyone that was, like, selling records for, for peddling without a license. And then they let everyone go. <laughs> yeah, I heard me reading that, and I just thought that was crazy. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I mean, I guess have been much much worse but still that was, that's the funny thing well it's not really funny it's funny in retrospect but my my dear sure, friend yeah. what oh no I was, I was like no yeah absolutely <laughs> my dear friends uh Catherine and Krista who went to Harvard like they yeah. um they brought a bunch of like Harvard freshmen to that show because they wanted <laughs> like, they wanted to um you know expose like I mean I think it's people they knew through the radio station that they wanted to like we need to get them off campus and so they can see what the actual Boston music scene is like. And they were just like, oh my God, are we getting these like freshmen arrested by the FBI? Like, on our fault. Thankfully, only people with records were the kind of without a license. So I had to do community service. So. Yeah. Do you, do you think that in 
sort of in the opposite direction of that, was there ever any partnerships between law enforcement with some of these venues, almost in like a mob kind of way? That was like, all right, we're, we'll look the other way kind of thing. Um, I mean, I'm sure it could have happened. I don't know of anybody having that set up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it I'm sure it, maybe it happened. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I can't really imagine, but I was surprised. I can't remember where I read it though, but there was one where they said the police showed up and they would be like, like before the show and just be like, tell them, all right, it needs to be over by this time or something. Unless I Yeah, that was that the country wrong. club. Yeah. Okay. So. okay yeah. Um, so even that surprised me that they were like, uh, they knew and they didn't, they were, didn't stop them from doing it, which is, I mean, I, I mean, that would be like, obviously you don't want them to, police there at all yeah but like I, I was surprised that they even were like weren't just like no, no it's not gonna happen you know what i mean that seems that seems kind of like like well okay well, you know, know what i don't mean? quite like, understand I, well i think that there was an era where the police were just kind of like if somebody called a noise complaint they would sure. they'd show up but then they became they became an era like later on like 2008 2009 when they started like the Operation Rolling Thunder, like quality of life kind of stuff, where like they were actively trying to search the stuff out and shut it down. Like, um, I mean, they had like police, police people, like policemen post pretending to be like young punks, like posting domestic boards to be like, tell us where the illegal health concert is. Like, so yeah, I don't know. There was, I, I don't, it's not around anymore, but there was this message board it was like a local music oriented message board called the Leving trail board and there was this cop that posted there the name keegs and first he was trying to pretend he was like a umass lowell student who was like 22 and really into surfing but then like <laughs> um they figured out like by the ip address that um it was the same ip address as like the boston police headquarters so like they figured out he's a cop and he got kind of outed as a cop but then you just kept like posting to this message board for years, like as a cop. Like, like, you could ask Keegs, can we have you post for a picture? Like, with like, with, can I pose with a picture with a gun or something? And he'd be like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so like at a certain point, it became like an act. Like, yeah, for a long time, it was just like if there was a noise complaint, they would shut the show down. Then sure. it became like an actual like campaign to like stamp out like house shows. And I'm sure not just like I'm sure not just like white kids house shows. I'm sure I mean if it, like they were shutting anything like sort of illegal yeah. down in like Dorchester and Madison too. Like you know yeah so yeah so that's when you couldn't put addresses on flyers anymore like once it became like conce like an actual effort of the police to get this stuff out. Mm. Right. Um and that's so when I, it got kind of scary at times. I mean it was like at times I was sort of like I'm just like a regular guy. Like, why am I doing all this stuff that I could be arrested for? Like, <laughs> but like, I don't know. I, I never was arrested. And I, I, I was fine, I guess. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, I know we've talked about a lot of these sort of like crazy stuff and scenarios. Um, and I'm, I'm just thinking that, you know, anyone that's listening to it that's never been to like a house show or anything is probably might be even missing out on just the sort of really like the, the what's best about house shows just that you that kind of like warm sort of quality uh and that sort of uh you know just uh, like you said before just uh 
the sort of inclusion with like say like a space like the spaces like the X House and the Country Club. Um, you mentioned the I'm gonna butcher this, but non nom d'artiste. Yeah. Uh, being the your favorite Boston Boston music venue of all time. Um, I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that. Oh, um, you know, it's a it was just like a it was it was a loft like on the fifth floor of um of a of like a building in Chinatown on Edinburgh Street. Um, it had like this beautiful. There was this huge window that was like looked out like on the Boston skyline. It was like just beautiful. Yeah. And the people that lived there and was doing the shows, um, I think Jeff, who I think still works at Cheapo Records uh, in Central Square, um, okay. they were, I mean, they were artists. So like, it was sort of like really, really elaborately decorated and had like the sculptures, like all these sculptures around and everything. And it was like, and it had like the best, the best vibe. Um, I kind of just shoehorned it in. I mean, they only had like a couple of shows you could really qualify as like punk shows, but like I just kind of right. shoehorned it in because because I like that place so much. And when, I was I was crushed. Uh, I was crushed when uh, when it went away because I had a really long run. It was like there for years and years. Um, and yeah, there were just so many great shows there. But it was like I mean things like sightings, like Chris Corsano. I was actually playing. I played the second the last show there. It was like a, a trio with me and. Um, Wayne and Kate from Major Stars, and um, yeah, we were playing as like the police sort of just busted in. <laughs> like wow. it was, it was pretty scary. But I, my plan was, I was just gonna say I was, I was a hired entertainment, and I didn't know that uh, what I was doing was. Yeah. I mean, they never even the police didn't talk to me or anything, so I didn't have to say that. So. <laughs> nice. Um, think about yeah, but I had a really long run. It, it just tons of good shows. Um, there's like a black dice show there that like hundreds and hundreds of people went to. Yeah, you say black lips? Black dice. Okay, yeah. <laughs> black dice, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. I, I have seen black dice before, yeah. Um, yeah, you mentioned the it was a amazing show with Conversions, Gertie Ferris, Life Partners, and Closet Fairy. Um, that sounds awesome. That was a great yeah. night, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We saw Gertie Ferris at the it's like, it was New England Underground Fest. Um, yeah. a couple summers ago and they, they were really great. I'd never heard of them. And then, uh, we played with life partners before and I, um, know David and I don't know conversions and closet fairies. I know, uh, I never saw them, but I, I really love the Maine Coons. Oh uh, yeah. Um, I know Sven, Sven was in that band. Yeah. I was in closet fairies. I'm not on any of the records, but I played drums for them on a tour. Oh, wow. Cool. Nice. Nice. And uh, Conversions uh, was like, Conversions was my band at the, at the time, and yeah. So. Oh, okay, cool. Awesome. Um, so I'm just going to skip a little bit to uh, 2012, uh, skipping around a little bit, but uh, right, you know, this is starting to be around the time frame of when we were starting to go to shows, so mm -hmm. it gets about mid, around like, the last sort of tier of this uh, of the zine is where I start to see the familiar names like Bay Gardens, uh, Butcher Shop, White House, Problem House, um, Star Lab, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it's starting to be more familiar territory for me. But now we also get into 2012 with the nuisance, the ordinance, the noise stuff. Um, yeah, I mean that that they shut down a lot of the, the the police and everything shut down a lot of the houses 
and they had the obviously they had the Joe Sly name. Uh, the police yeah. went under the fake name under Joe uh, the under the fake Joe Sly name. We were going to shows at the time, but we weren't booking shows. Were you booking shows during that time? And uh, and were, did you have to deal with any of that directly during that that the whole like shutdown, crackdown in 2012? Um, I'm trying to remember. I was booking shows then, definitely. Um, the only time I really, I mean, I think I just got really, really lucky, and that the only time I really had to deal with the police was at the country club. I mean, uh, when they would, the police would come. Um, Police would come and be like, get this over by 10 or whatever. Like, that's not true. I did book a show at Gay Gardens that was shut down by the cops. And that was like, that was just a crazy crowded show. And like, the people that lived at the house who were really, really lovely people, they put one of their own bands in the show, like, which is fine. Except they were like, no, we have to play first. I was like, okay. And um, and one of them was late getting there. So it started like really late. And there were already like tons of kids. Yeah. I mean, even when I showed up, like, long before the show started, there were, like, 40 or 50 kids, like, in the backyard just, like, setting off fireworks and causing general mayhem. So I was like, this show is going to get shut down. Yeah. It, it did, but nothing, nobody got arrested or anything. And we actually just moved it to another basement and finished the show in a different basement. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. I was at Bloodstain. Yeah. Bloodstain, the cops showed up to a lot. Like, I was, I was stood around in the basement there a lot, <laughs> like, waiting for the cops to leave. Um, but, yeah, I, I got pretty lucky in that. I didn't uh, I was never arrested or anything like that. So, I mean, I, was, I attended tons of shows that were shut down by the police. But nothing, nothing that I booked. I booked a ton of shows. And nothing really got, got busted up, no. So, lucky. So, you say at, at, at any given time, you at least had contacts or you knew people at several different of these um, house venues or you know, DIY spaces that say if something like that was to happen, if people were sort of working together, it wasn't like, okay, I have the show booked at this place. You know, you, you, you knew that there could possibly be another option if something was to I think, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, I mean, at that time, um, I think that was sort of just like a skit of, that was like a skit of my teeth kind of thing where the touring band didn't get to play, <laughs> like, because um, it was shut down and like people at the show were like, they can play in our basement, but it wasn't in the show house. But I think in the, in the Gay Garden, I mean, you guys were around then, but the Gay Gardens are of, of like that era. I mean, there were a bunch of show houses and everyone like kind of knew each other and all went to each other's houses. Yeah, so, it seemed that way. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think there was like, yeah, they, so Gay Gardens was like sort of across the street from Castle Grey School. I mean, I feel like on Grace on Greylock Street, there were like three show houses going at, at the same time. Oh, yes, near yeah. the, the what's that, Ringer Park? Yeah, that, Ringer Park. Ringer yeah. Park. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it wasn't, you wouldn't always just be like, okay, well, we'll have it here and it gets shut down. Sure. This, like it wasn't like ahead of time, but if sometimes if a show got shut down, you could move it to another basement at that, at mm -hmm. that time. That's cool. Right. And I remember during that time, uh, you know, there was a lot more shows, house shows going on during the week. Yeah. It, it was just like that, you know, was a thing. Like they still do now, or you know, not at this very moment, but uh, yeah, no. you know, it's in memory. And, uh, but, you know, it seems it's a lot less likely. They still do happen during the week, but not as much. And, um, you know, so I'd imagine, like, 
during this time of, so we're saying like, I can remember in 2011, 12, they were, they would happen during the week. So leading up to that point, 2000 to those, that decade of the 2000s, were they also very common, like house shows, punk shows in the middle of the week? Oh yeah, definitely. So yeah. <laughs> it would, yeah, it seemed that way, but yeah, yeah. I, like, I would imagine, yeah. Um, I'm doing a little, a little project of the underground from, from that era and I, what I found kind of striking and I was going to wanted to ask you about this was that there seemed to have been daytime matinee shows um, at houses and places like that which I mean I don't I don't really remember that in the recent past but I was wondering if that was common at all just it seemed like you could go since there were so many you know underground shows happening you could hit up a daytime show that started maybe at 3 p.m. and then at night there'd be another show. Was that an, an actual thing? I'm, I read about it a little bit, but I'm just wanted yeah, to know I mean, if that it was, was... It wasn't like an everyday thing, but yeah, there were a lot of basements in that. Like Platonic Sleepovers and Country Club both had a lot of like shows on like weekend afternoons. Um, mm -hmm. So you could like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I wrote about that too, but it was like, yeah, it was like, those were great days when there would be a show at like, country club in the afternoon and you would go there and then you like walk from Brooklyn mm -hmm. also to see a, a show like a night show at the yeah that's cool the other region. so it was great yeah so. awesome yeah I don't know yeah I don't know if that's I don't know I mean there still are house would you would you guys agree and I feel like this is the case that there still are house shows yeah a fair bit but they're definitely overall like of a lower volume I mean like as far as like the, the yeah so this is the thing I kind of wanted to actually get into. Uh, I wanted to ask you about. Um, so actually, this is a good segue. Um, so you mentioned like in the sort of the, like towards the end of the zine where you say house and DIY shows in Boston are definitely not over, which is absolutely true. And I'm, I'm glad that you said that um, and that they still happen fairly frequently. However, you mentioned that um, it seems to be more, uh, experimental music and singer songwriter kind of stuff I think that that definitely especially in the last few years mm -hmm. seems to be uh, very, they seem to be very common those kind of music however I would say that in our experience because like I said we started going to house shows in 2011 but we it was really for for a couple of years there we only went to like we didn't go to a ton so it was like maybe a few a month at most until like around 2013 when I graduated college, I, I just uh, was, I was in Lowell before that, so I went to house shows in Lowell, but mm. um, we're like 2013 to present, I've been pretty consistently going to shows, and I'd say like, I've been to at least a few hundred, at like house shows, and uh, most of them are louder punk stuff, not all of them, certainly not, so I would say mm. that there is still, it's what it, I mean, it's definitely not as much as there were in like say 2011 to 2013 or even beyond that. But I would say that there's still, and probably, I would not just probably, definitely not as much as what you've documented here, but I would say there's there's still, or at least for like a few years from, you know, like I'd say the last five years, definitely there's still been a lot of, uh, you know, I'd still say there's a lot of punk stuff and, and lab stuff not definitely not as much as there was before but I would say that there's definitely um still a fair amount because mm -hmm. that is primarily what we 
been going to like we we do like some softer stuff and experimental like maybe like dance stuff but for the most part we're really into a lot of like garage and punk kind of stuff so um that's you know i mean so there is that and there have been a number of spaces that still do have loud stuff i mean we also have a noise fest but which is not strictly noise music but it is typically a lot of loud you know weirder kind of stuff and you know granted that only is by year you know that's only like twice a year we do it but yeah um but you know it, there there definitely is uh, a fair amount of stuff in the last few years so i would say that would just be one of my only gripe with the with that with the, the the zine is, is i think that um there is definitely plenty of uh stuff i shouldn't say plenty but rather there, there has been a, a lot in the last few years and, uh, yeah, that's true. You know, and, and, yeah, yeah, there are yeah. like a, there are like a whole sort of, I just know the names, but there are like these basement venues. I'm just kind of like, I know they exist, but I, sure. I'm sort of out of touch with them. So yeah, 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 no, totally, and and, and absolutely, and and uh, you know, um, you know, I mean, yeah, I totally get it. I mean, it's 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 hard to keep mm -hmm. up with a lot of stuff for sure, and also like you said, I mean, the stuff that you're you're naming, like the. Um, the singer-songwriter stuff, I mean, we've, we've noticed that it seems to be an increase of that. It definitely does seem to be a lot of that taking, um, you know, precedent and just kind of dominating a lot of it. Um, but, but yeah, there's, there's still, there's been a lot of cool stuff. If uh, I can even like show you like, a, we have, cause I, I was like write down or like document uh, on a, like a calendar every show we've been to. So like the last few years has definitely been you know, it's been plenty of like plunk plunk punk shows, <laughs> uh, like loud shows, and we're yeah. Also, it's been a lot of plunk uh, shows. It's been a lot of plunk too, uh, and <laughs> plunk and punk, but yeah, and gunk. But, yeah, uh, I mean, I did do that to a degree. Like, I didn't want to make it seem like things were over, but I also like didn't want to yeah, really talk. About, I also that. didn't want to talk about. I mean, because what we do is secret. I didn't want to even like leave any kind of trails for the like a sure yeah no absolutely <laughs> so. mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely and like um yeah again yeah and you say like explicitly house and di space shows in boston are definitely not over so I mean, yeah you, yeah and like i would just uh yeah I, just, I argue that there's there has been at least even you know up until pre-covid whatever times the last these last few years they're still going on it just seems like not as much as it used to be yeah. I would say. yeah yeah and there's also there's a segment of it that we we totally at least for our tastes it's and it's you might have find this found this too over the years that you know there's music school berkeley college oh, yeah. and <laughs> I where you're going with this. that kind of thing where it's actually kind of funny we've been a part of these I was a part of this one thing at least where this Emerson College student was asking me about playing house shows and she was kind of doing a compare contrast thing with the stuff that we were going to which was more garage or you know adjacent stuff and then there was her other friends which were Berkeley playing pop rock and they were explaining the joys of the underground and what that meant to them it's funny to have that to ha I don't know when you when you think of under, it's 
and maybe now even more so, I don't know if, if you agree with this, that the it doesn't even matter what kind of style of music you're playing. You'd be playing pop music, but if you're doing it on the underground, it's those same types of musicians and their fans could think of the thing exactly like we do, even oh, yeah. though we're yeah. into more obscure stuff. I, yeah, I don't I know. Agree, so. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I'm also curious your thoughts because it does seem, I wouldn't say in a, definitely not in a total way, but, and I wouldn't, I'm not even saying like it's been co-opted by these other, like what you're saying, the Berkeley or more mainstream types. I wouldn't go that far at all, but it definitely seems to be, even just reading what you've documented here, it seems like uh, it's been, you know, in this, we're discussing inclusion, which I'm all for and everything, seems like it's become more accessible for people who perhaps aren't as into the weirder stuff. And so when that happens, more normier kind of styles of music can kind of take over. And especially like, I mean, in my opinion, and again, I, I never really go out of my way to I don't really care as much. I, I my first thing, do I like it or not? Whether it's you know whatever yeah. it is. Um, but but that being said, I've always feel like these spaces really first and foremost should be for you know the weirder stuff and uh, or you know or at the very least just I, I don't know I, I don't know I guess it's just I, sometimes that would get kind of annoying to me where you'd start to see stuff and you're like, why am I even seeing this band when they, they sound like a pop radio? Yeah. <laughs> why am I, especially at a house show too, like this is supposed to be an alternative. That's kind of why we start Oh, I'm sorry. I can't remember where I, I read yeah. this. I've like read multiple instances of sort of just like, I don't know, with lack of a better term, just like rock bands that are definitely just like going for it and like a main, they want mainstream success. Yeah. Like, trying to play house shows for like cred like <laughs> or taking taking oh, out like craigslist ads being like we want to play a house show like so. yeah well, i totally believe it mm -hmm. uh what's even like we say garage um but like when i'm thinking a lot of times garage i mean even that just like anything else any other genre i've been really like half the times more than half the time most of the time when someone's like Oh, you'd really like this. You really like this garage thing, and it it, it sounds nothing. It sounds like <laughs> this really like watered down, really pristine recording. And I'm like, I'm listening to the mummies and you know the gories and stuff like that. And you know, yeah. Like, some somehow nowadays emo is garage. Yeah, <laughs> I thought yeah. It, I mean, and even maybe not even the more aggressive things. And also too, like any like probably like someone that was a noise purist would be like, well, that garage stuff is you know, totally conventional and they'd be accurate in that. So mm -hmm. I'm not like, a, I'm not militantly or like purist in any way, but it, it did get, it, it does get to a point where sometimes we're even like the stuff that we were digging at some point or another, I don't know why it started to get more and more accessible and like more normal in a way that, um, you know, I feel like reading your, your zine, I feel just even reading it, uh, that, that, I don't know, perhaps with things getting maybe whether it's getting like a um, where it's being more inclusive, being safer, there's also one that a more negative aspect of that is that it can be more accessible to, to, the, to the more normal crowd. I don't know. <laughs> True. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, like, because, yeah, you don't want to be like elitist about anything. 
But yeah, then, sure. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. I probably sound like an elitist ass. No, <laughs> I, I totally understand. Like it's like it's a it's it's hard it's a hard line to walk. <laughs> like where you're like, yeah. yeah um, what was I gonna say? Yeah. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily sort of like venues or not. I I think that like I don't know. Say like a band called like a band like fucked up who ended up like signing to like Matador yeah. or whatever. If yeah. they would have existed, say like ten years earlier. Like that wouldn't have happened. I, I mean, I do think like the internet, just everything sort of being on the same level as the internet. I think like, yeah. I think, cause I think like for fucked up have to be, to be signed to like Matador merge would mean that if it was happening 15 years earlier, which, which would mean that like the people that like were involved in signing them would have like had to be reading like Maximum Rock and Roll and like going to house. Like, like, so it was like, there was no way to find yeah. out any about stuff unless you really sought it out. So I feel like, I feel I just feel like it's sort of like a cultural shift that has to do with like the internet becoming pervasive. That's my guess at it. So, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah, definitely we've been to. You know, it goes beyond like house shows. Just in general with shows uh, in the last few years, where there's some still some really cool stuff going on, but we start to see. I feel like a little bit more of. Um, yeah, we're bands where it just it doesn't like. I don't know. Yeah, it's like I don't know because they're not that much younger than us, but but they I don't know like it's just the difference in the sound or influences or whatever. But it it starts to feel like um, really like stale. Yes, but um, yeah, I think with young with younger bands like younger musicians, I always try to like because they have a completely different set of references than I do, and. Yeah. Um, I try to sort of like appreciate it like on their terms, like what are they, what are, like what are they trying to do and what are they influenced by and not, and not, not like sort of apply what, this is what I think band should sound like and try to apply it to that sure, like, yeah. or just sort of like yeah. try to sort of like see if they're succeeding or failing on their own terms. And sort of that like shifting, I've gotten into a lot of stuff that I probably wouldn't initially like by just mm. like, where are they coming from? Like, like so. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, do you think it has to, I mean, like I just mentioned, like, yeah, we're talking like younger people. I actually wanted to ask too, with like all these, from the 2000 to 2015, all these houses, were a lot of the people, were, was there a mixture in ages at uh, the to people attending these shows? Yeah, there's definitely a mixture of age. I mean, like it's sort of, would, from teenagers and it would sort of like top out, like, mid 40s and 50s yeah i mean there were a lot of there was like a pretty big mix probably That's awesome. the majority of people would have been in their like 20s and 30s right so, yeah, similar. similar to now that's one of the things i think is really cool actually but when a lot of the shows uh we go to uh you know i mean is you do get a lot of different ages of people it's like you this would be a kid here that's like 14 but then there's someone that's like 65 or something you know yeah <laughs> yeah we have friends that are in their 60s that still go to shows and it's just like and they're all at the same shows we're going to and it's you know it could be a punk show in a basement and it's really cool yeah so yeah. i assume that i'll be like that i don't know <laughs> like so. yeah, yeah. that's always my hope that we're we'll, we'll still be kicking it and going to shows as long yeah. as we can um mm -hmm. yeah so I, we had talked briefly about this online, but uh, so Glenn and I, our, our favorite band is, is the Black Lips. Um, we got into them around 2008, and that was like 
I know by that point they had kind of blown up a little bit, but uh, uh, I don't unless you I don't know if you saw them at a, a host show or anything, but you had said before you saw them at the chopping block in 2004. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just remember, wondered. I remember it was good and there was urine drinking, but beyond that, I yeah. don't remember a ton of it. So, <laughs> well, at least there's those two things. Yeah. <laughs> I like them. I, I I love their I love the Black Lips like first two records like the one on Bomb yeah. or maybe it's the first two the one on Bomp and the one on uh Let It Bloom is yeah. awesome. Oh yeah, so they had two on Bomp and then Let It Bloom the third one on in the red yeah. Yeah, and then the like the O Katrina single I love those records. Yeah. Then I I don't know why I stopped following, but I just sort of stopped following them after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well they definitely get a little bit they definitely get cleaner and like the, they were on Vice uh, they're still on Vice and they've gotten like cleaner and it's it's they've changed a little bit over the years but but I still like the later ones but definitely the first three are like yeah at least in my opinion the gold so I'm always envious of anyone that saw them in those early days. <laughs> um, that was sort of like when I I would get, I was going to so many shows at that point in time like three or four a week I would basically just go to most yeah. things that were happening so it was awesome. it had a lot of energy. So, like, Nice. Yeah. Um, so let's see. As far as we're talking right now with shows and everything, do you have any predictions as far as like when do you think the first show, whether it be house show or whatever, wherever it is, outdoor, whatever, where do you think the next or the first show will emerge? First show, I mean, uh, I don't know. Are cops gonna listen to this? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, or just in general, given the uh, 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 the circumstances of right now with you know everything with uh, COVID and what have you, and uh, just you, yeah, I guess where the you know I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't go to it, but there was an outdoor noise show uh, this past weekend. Oh, there was. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was the first one show I know of happening, and I. I feel like it's pretty safe. I mean, it was like outside in a park. Sure, sure, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That, I would think definitely the, the, if anything, the first move would be something outside, just given what we know, everything that uh, COVID being transferred more. Yeah, inside. So. Indoor, yeah. So, but I didn't hear about that. But enter. All right, I gotta keep my. <laughs> gotta keep, I, you know, I'm not really on social media uh, much anymore. Um, so. pro- yeah it's probably <laughs> why i'm not hearing about it but uh i'll let you, you know because there'll be more of them i'll let you know so. yeah definitely let me know likewise i'll let, I'll let you know um yeah i mean because i definitely i mean obviously i want everyone to be safe and whatever way we can do it s- safe as possible but uh as you as we were talking earlier just everything seems to be falling apart so yeah. it's, it's definitely a frustrating time to say the least. And, I, I was uh, thinking about how like I love like a good just like gross sweaty like summer punk yeah. show, or like like 300 yeah. people like crammed into like the democracy center or something like that and it's a <laughs> yeah. uh, it's gonna be like a really long time before there's like that kind of show again. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> so, like, right the way I look at it though is I mean I definitely when we're talking about the virus I feel like whenever they're the vaccine comes and everyone hopefully i'm hoping now whenever that's all taken care of i think we'll be good uh, it's to me like whatever economic ha- shit happens where where these venues are being closed down that's what i'm more worried thing. about yeah you know um so and i don't know you know it's like one of those things where 
just I think we just need to be able. I don't know. We can't. I want a government bailout or something for like <laughs> these venues, but you can't relate rely on it at the same time. So I'm just hoping like. Uh, well, I mean that's the thing. In a lot of ways, you can't stop the underground. So that that's there's always that. That's what I feel too. I I don't like I don't know what it's gonna look like, and I don't know how exactly things are gonna happen. But like, there's going to be a music scene, and it's going to be yeah. <laughs> like, so. yeah. yeah. So that I thought. But do you think that there could be possibly in the wake of COVID and in the recovery, more of a partnership between local governments and the underground scene, for example, or people that might want to go towards more of a official approach? Huh. in getting in getting more stuff back up and running than maybe they had before i don't know i've thought about that recently i mean it's possible i mean like i don't i don't know if the walsh administration is like that interested in anything like mm. that. i don't know so i mean that happened i mean like um they do work with people i mean there's a lot of arts 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 organization that the city does fund. I don't know. I've always really, really wished there was some sort of equivalent of like AS220 in Boston, which is like, have you ever been there? No, I've heard about it though. Oh, I mean, no, I think we did know it. No, Glenn, we, oh, did we? we saw actually uh, a pro the Providence Garage Fest there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that was that. Okay. But yeah, I don't know why the state, I mean, it's the state of Rhode Island pays for that to exist. I don't know why Massachusetts can't do that, but they just don't seem that. Don't seem interested, but they do. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, there's some. I mean, the, the arts people at, at Boston City government now are are good. I don't know. Maybe maybe they could have some sway. Like, I mean, there's Tom Johnston who works in city government now. He used to book the Rat. Um, oh wow. Day. <laughs> like so. I mean, he's familiar with all this stuff. So, um, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I don't. I don't know what the future holds. I think it's. I think it's possible. But yeah, mm -hmm. I don't, we'll see. So, I, I, but I mean, the city government seems to be more interested in, like, if it's like a developer versus a venue, I feel like they would side with the developer. Yeah, yeah. sadly. <laughs> Sorry. For like worst case scenarios, uh, you know, I, I really hope that because I mean, it, it's kind of funny that we're saying this when we're talking about house shows, but I think we definitely need house shows, but we also do need actual like venue you know establishment yeah. um that's the kind of thing where it's like i think even people sometimes forget that too that and I, i've said this before i was saying this to glenn that really all these these spaces and kind of going full circle to what when we started talking about it they come out of necessity really you know i think um especially even just reading what you've described and what i've just seen over the years it really these are reactions responses to lack of legitimate venues yeah, and uh, you know, inaccessible venues for people to play and book and what have you. And um, you know, that being said, it's kind of—I've always kind of feel like with with these with these DIY space, underground sp illegal spaces—that it's almost like we're in the dark ages. But at the same time, the dark ages is it was so is so fun and awesome too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean. I don't know. Yeah, would it have been better if there were actually legitimate, affordable venues? That's what, but that's I don't know. Funny, but yeah. that's, you know, it's almost though, but the way I kind of look at it, it's like, you know, let, let's say we're in, in a, an ideal world, like X amount of years from now, and there are all these like legitimate spaces and they're wonderful and everything. Mm -hmm. 
in a weird way, I feel like we'd look back and like, remember that fucking crazy show at Problem House? Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know that, like, oh, that was so cool when we did that. And it was like, yeah, and everyone brought their own beer. And it was just like, like, you know, like, it, you know, and, but, it, but, you know, that's, I feel like if anything, maybe that spirit can just go towards, we can just make, you know, keep, there's always going to be the underground space, I, I hope anyway, but I would hope also that we have more legitimate spaces we keep that spirit and try to make also the legitimate spaces just better too you know that's yeah. kind of one of the thing i hate about a lot of the venues i see them sometimes in boston whether mm-hmm. especially the bigger ones where they just feel really um generic you know yeah. and um i think even nearby in like other states like like rhode island i feel like some of those are a little bit better um, yeah. the more above ground venues um yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know what you mean so i think like i don't know i think talking with a friend the other day about like the city like if we could get the city to fund something like the boiler room like like you say you care about the arts but we'll yeah the rest of a 10 by 10 concrete room where we throw broken glass at each other in it like so, <laughs> <laughs> and set off fireworks <laughs> like so. yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know it's uh i at least i feel like that there's yeah there's there's always those you know kind of potentially like potentially dangerous things but i i feel like overall i experience the vibe in general everything is way more positive and if anything you like kind of from these spaces um yeah you develop almost more a set of ethics and and morals that you really, I feel like you might not get in other places, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, because I mean, I agree with that. And it's not, it's not like, you're not just like sort of paying to go to like a commercial venue. Yeah. You're like participating in a community. Mm. Yep. Right. Yeah, exactly. And there's, the thing is that it's like, in a way that the, the size of a venue a lot of times, um, I'm sure you feel the same way, it can really dictate just how people, the vibe of, of the show the atmosphere because if it's bigger then people are more likely naturally to to spread out more but the smaller the venue you're kind of forced to to you know interact with the person next to you and and if you're at a house show you're really packed in a lot of times and so i think that unto itself just brings people together just physically bring people together but also just in every other way you know you're you know and um yeah, just also just being in a house. I just I just miss it so much. Right <laughs> in general shows, but also just like the uh you know, the different like aspects of a lot of these houses, like you were describing before, like the you know, the like oh this place had this amazing view of the city and all you know, all these different things that it's entirely uh, different like vibe than being like in a yeah. club. Yeah, it is it, absolutely. Just even like, all right, it's like we're well, we're gonna hang out in the backyard or something, or on the porch, or on the yeah. couch, or where it's just, uh, you know, I, I almost, uh, I don't. It's it's like I want to say like that. I don't want it to be misconstrued, but it really is like a good party vibe. But like, it's a good party, and I don't, I don't mean it to be like it's just for the sake of partying. But it, it's like a good party vibe. Yeah, a good idea, you know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned that some of these, some of these houses too, in particular, there was like that was good drunken fun or something, you know what I mean? And like, yeah, I mean, I don't drink any at all anymore, but yeah, I did. <laughs> I was yeah, pretty drunk yeah. at some of these shows. So, like, yeah, 
but I mean, it's just yeah, just like it's generally like a you know a good time and and you know another thing and um, I mean we get kind of going back full circle too where you're saying about the venues back um, back uh, at the beginning of the 2000s not wanting to really book punk shows. I mean that's a big good reason why house shows come out of necessity is it's a good place for artists to be able to develop and explore and not have to depend on um you know how many people are going to come out to the show and what have you and yeah totally um yeah worry worry about like the wrath of the club owner for not drawing enough or something like that like yeah exactly um yeah i mean also too it's like i feel like a lot of people are more likely to come out to a house show that are like already in the know or, or you know friends of whoever already know about these bands or whatever or spaces they're more likely to go to like a house show I mean it's just for economic reasons with the, yeah you know it, it's like you know it's uh suggested donation BYOB whatever it may be mm-hmm. you know um uh you know that that more likely people are going to go out to that than say a show at a, a club not necessarily but more it seems that way yeah no um, I mean yeah there were a lot of people who just would go I mean, they just would go to house shows because it is a party. They'll watch, watch the band. Yeah, sure. they're, not, they're not necessarily yeah. complete nerds. Yeah, totally. Whatever, so, yeah. yeah, it's always funny when you see, like, someone that they're, like, you see a band, they they play at, like, a house, and then, like, a week later, you see them, they're playing, like, at, like, a club, and you're like, where were those hundred people that were there last yeah. week? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Exactly. My notes. And, uh, yeah, uh, if you have any last-minute shout outs or plugs or anything else you want to you want to say Chris uh, uh, oh thanks you guys um yeah I um buy the zine <laughs> it's from Tim Devin so uh, yeah totally. I wish uh I don't know if, I don't know if there's a website here but yeah um I don't know what else I can shout out to you but yeah thanks guys it was fun so thank yeah, you absolutely. so much really a pleasure to uh talk to you for all this time and go we really love the, the zine again uh chris drunk it's uh the zine's called In- incomplete history of long gone illegal punk venues in boston from 2000 to 2015 or somewhere around there yes